You're about to hear my conversation with Brent Joyce. We recorded it on October 5th, and we talked all about the recent market conditions over the past month, some of the volatility in emerging markets, particularly out of China, as well as the political situation in the U.S. I hope you enjoy it. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual investments should not be construed as advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek professional advice for their situation. Welcome to the McKenzie Investments Podcast. My name is Matthew Schnur, and I'm delighted to be back with our investment strategist, Brent Joyce. Brent, welcome back. Great to be here again. Matt, it's been a few weeks of a break. I think you had some special guest speakers on uh, over the past month. That's fabulous. We did indeed. And that gives us lots of content to cover because September was quite a volatile month. So maybe I can start off just uh, on that note. Tell me uh, about September, where we are with the shape of the markets uh, and, and what you what your make of is of all everything. Yeah, so you know we're putting our quarterly commentary together this week, and the the headline is uh, you know what a month a quarter makes. Um, we really have gone full circle in bond yields and in equity markets. So, for those who took June, uh, July, well certainly July and August off, you probably should have just stayed away for all of September. Uh, and if you had to come back, it's Rip Van Winkle because yields are back where we were at the beginning of the summer. And most equity markets, um, short of EM, which is it's separate uh, issues that have been happening there since February. The good news is, or the silver lining, I suppose good news is, is maybe too strong. We now have put in uh, pullbacks. I won't call them corrections. The technical definition of a correction is a 10% down from its peak. Well, we certainly crested the 5% mark on mm. the NASDAQ, the S&P 500. Uh, interestingly, uh, the TSX um, has been holding in better, and so have uh, European markets been holding in better. But I think you know, for investors, that's the important thing to focus on is we've stepped back a couple of months uh, here, uh, a bit of a breather. There are some concerns brewing, and I think the next six to 12 months is going to be a little bit tougher sledding uh, than we've had on a year-to-date basis. Uh, but most of this, uh, at the, for the time being at the moment, is um, fairly reasonable, fairly healthy. If you look at something like the S&P 500, for example, you know, it's it's five percent, and we have um, broken down below the fifty-day moving average and the hundred-day moving average. Working hard here, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, to to hold on to that hundred-day moving average, but we are below it, so that might be a bit of resistance um, in the in the near term for for something like the S and P five hundred. But I would hope folks aren't getting too upset about a four to six percent correction when the internals underneath are more encouraging. This isn't a um, credit-induced panic about spreads in China, bleeding out, contagion, debt ceiling, Washington, inflation, all those things that are on the you know first and second page of the Wall Street Journal uh, are not, in my opinion, what is actually rattling the market here. Yields, yes. Um, yeah. But it's... Um, you know, the major themes, I think, are, are still intact. And underneath, we're seeing a bit of a mini Q1 uh, uh, redux, if you will, a repeat of uh, of what we were witnessing in the first quarter, which was lots of opportunities to make some money. 
So thanks for that overview, Brent. Uh, maybe you can dive a little bit more into what's happening within the market. So there's been uh, a rotation. You mentioned that uh, Canada, Europe held, held in uh, a little bit better than some of the other markets. Uh, often that's a rotation from growth to value. Is that what you're seeing here? And then what are the sort of underlying um, factors behind that rotation? Yeah, so as I mentioned, it is a bit of a repeat. I would say Q1 light or diet Q1, if you will. Um, the starting point is different than where we were at the beginning of the year for this rotation from growth to value. But that's the part that's encouraging is not everything is just being chucked out the window because of risk fears. It really is, um, I think, a, a recalibration on the part of equity markets that the growth trade had gone a long way. The softness we saw in bond yields in the summer was very much COVID related. And this notion of peak everything, and we'll talk a bit, I think explore a bit about this peak everything uh, in a minute. But those things are now seem to be well digested by equity markets and bond market getting back on the same page. I mean, you had this divergence through the summer where stocks were continuing to move higher, yet the bond market was signaling some some difficulties at you know, right. 115, 117 with the US 10-year. Now they're both back on the same page, right? You've got yields rising and the what you would expect to see, pressure on those long duration type um, proxies of, of the new economy, uh, secular growth stories, which are big, big weights in, in the benchmark. So the benchmarks are, are feeling the weight. Underneath that, you know, the average stock had already put in lows earlier um, in, in the quarter and we're seeing a, a pickup there in the cyclical sectors. Financials weathered the whole thing right through quite well. So that's one a bit of an anomaly, which is, again, encouraging if you think of that as a, a pretty good um, litmus test or barometer for, for the health of all things, you know, the banking sector. It didn't sell off as, as hard on the yields falling in the summer, and it's feeling some strength now as yields pick up. Small caps had their correction in the summer. Are, are holding in very well now. That's certainly not a risk-off environment, so that's encouraging. So the internals are, are better. You know, we've done some good work here on valuations. Right. We had talked in the summer about valuations getting um, some improvement and, and coming off their peaks because earnings growth was coming through, and that, that's fabulous. That's the, yeah, for sure the best way we want to work off some, some valuation issues. And now this price check back, um, you know, just makes those a little bit uh, even more attractive uh, in certain areas that had maybe gotten a bit ahead of themselves. So I think the bottom line is is think about a Q1, but we're not going to see yields move as much as they did because the starting point wasn't 75 basis points. It was 115. Right. And I still think we're headed toward you know high ones uh, toward the end of the year. And the same thing with the reopening trade, the reflation trade, certainly the reopening trade, the hotels, the airlines, that sort of stuff. They're not as... Um, uh, you know, as low priced as they were in the first in the first quarter, um, and uh, and so they're getting a, a boost here, but not from the real depressed levels that we saw. So all the same trends directionally. So if you like the first quarter, there's no reason to be frightened by what's happening today. That's great uh, context. You did reference peak everything. I think you addressed uh, a portion of that in your, your previous comments. Is that something that you want to expand on uh, when you're saying peak everything? Is that what you're seeing now or that's where we're coming from uh, prior to the, the uh, September? 
Well, there's, there's good and bad peaks, right? Peak peak COVID, that's fantastic. And certainly sure. we have we have seen lots of evidence that the Delta variant is cresting in, in various parts of the world. Whether um, the, regardless of vaccination rates, this thing has run is running its course. And how much you have of your population vaccinated is really indicating how much stress has been on your healthcare system and and the number of deaths, unfortunately. But it it is rolling over, and so there's there's a bit of relief there. But more importantly is this notion that we have gone over the, the we've lapped the, the worst of the base effects in most things from the depths of the pandemic last year. And, and base effects are just math, right? It's nothing to be frightened about. And so if we see numbers starting to come down, ISM's getting choppy here, encouraging, you know, the US ISM actually perked up a little bit. And I think we're going to see this bouncing around at a high level. So, yeah, we're over the, the peak. It, it's not uniformly accelerating to the upside for things like GDP growth, ISMs, earnings growth, but they're softening at still very healthy levels. And I think that's the one that we have to be careful about in the next several months is earnings. Um, markets need to brace themselves for the absence of these huge surprises that we've become accustomed to. Uh, been quite embarrassing, frankly, for the pundit community and the analyst community in the last couple of quarters. Uh, they've quickly ratcheted up their earnings expectations, and now we're starting to see them um, softening a bit. So GDP right. growth forecasts, little haircut. Earnings growth forecasts, little haircut. Why? Yields are up a little bit. Energy prices are up a lot. Um, more shortages, bottlenecks. These things cost money. They're nuisances-type problems, in my opinion. They're good problems to have if you're going to have a problem. They're problems that the world of capitalism is meant to solve. Um, but it does certainly bring some pressure on uh, on profit margins if you got to pay your your uh, your bondholders a little bit more and pay your, your workers a little bit more and pay a little bit more for energy, et cetera. But at these levels, this isn't anything that we haven't seen before. $80 WTI, the world can function at that. 150 U.S. 10-year treasuries, 2% U.S. 10-year treasuries, if we get there in the next three to six months. I think the world can function at that. But the capital markets need to, A, take a breather. We've gone a long way without any sort of a, of a check back, meaningful one. Like, you know, 10 is the, 5 is the new 10, and then it looked like 3 was the new 5. All right? right. Well, 5 6% corrections come along. Maybe we'll get a full-blown 10%. That's normal, healthy stuff uh, for equity markets to digest. Great. Well, maybe we'll we'll shift uh, focus uh, to talk about emerging markets. You referenced that emerging markets was the uh, the market that sort of uh, maybe a little bit more volatile uh, and uh, didn't enjoy some of the up uh, over over the summer. Uh, give me your take on EM as a whole. Is it really just the China story? Is there more to it? Um, and uh, and and where you're seeing that market right now. Yeah, so the cyclical rotation and the Q1 repeat story, the one absent uh, participant there is obviously emerging markets, which we're doing quite well, certainly through January and the first half of February. And then we had this um, tightening campaign on financial conditions in China. So we got a lot of campaigns going on in China, and, and the one that started in February was a tightening of financial conditions. This is normal. We've seen this uh, movie before. 
Um, GDP growth is, is starting to accelerate and they're first ones to have COVID pretty much under control. So they take the opportunity to rein in a lot of this extraordinary accommodation. Same conversation we, we need to have and are having really sort of today uh, in the West. February through June, that's really the only concern. Um, and then you, you have these other pieces come out. DD's issues with its IPO, um, which really was just another a bit of an extension of, of what started with Ant Financial uh, sure. many quarters ago. And then, um, you know, the tutoring in the education stocks, then it was Macau Casinos, start hearing about Common Prosperity, then it's Evergrande and the real estate sector. These are not fresh um, items for China, Chinese economy, Chinese capital markets and the Chinese authorities. You go back into the playbook uh, prior to Trump and prior to the trade wars, and these are themes that are, are there. That we know that they are agenda items on the, uh, the Chinese government's list. And, you know, setting politics aside as to, as to how they want to go about um, doing things over there, what it has done is it's, it's a shakeup. But it's deliberately orchestrated. So none of these issues in the past three months are exogenous shocks to the Chinese economy. They are self-orchestrated, um, self-inflicted, really, if, if you want to go that far, but with a purpose, right? The real estate sector in China needs to be addressed, right? You need to try to get away from moral hazard in, in parts of that economy. We need to do the same here in the West, quite frankly. And the concern now is, okay, so there's lots of volatility here. You get spreads widening out. People pay attention to that. It's, it's important to, to note. The real estate sector is being targeted. It's being targeted deliberately. The Chinese authorities have the resources, cash and, and otherwise, and, and the instruments, uh, policy instruments, to um, keep the bus on the road. You know, it's a question of how far toward the guardrail do they let things go? Where's the pain tolerance to send the message and to change the behaviors they're trying to change? Um, and that has capital markets concerned because it brings in the risk for an accident that you know what the policy um, is trying to achieve. Are there unintended consequences? Does it get out of control? Does it spill over? Um, right. That That is what uh, people have concerns about. Encouraging signs as of late with Evergrande's asset sales, you know, things have calmed down a little bit. It's it's um, this common prosperity agenda and some of these issues are going to be with us for a while. You know, the power outages then come out of the blue. What? Power outages in China? What's going on? Well, again, people think that this is supply chain shortages and, and so on. That's a piece of it, right? That coal prices are up and having a spat with Australia where they used to import a bunch of their coal. But again, it really is deliberately orchestrated. The central government has set uh, carbon um, emissions targets and climate targets that are very aggressive. This is a good thing in the long term. And the local authorities wake up, it's the 1st of September, and they realize they're not on track to meet these goals. And so they switch gears from a growth goal to these climate goals and, and trying to tick the boxes of, uh, of the various uh, things they want to accomplish for the year. When you had 12% GDP growth in China in the first six months, and your target is 6% for the year, you know, like you've made it, right? So it gives you an opportunity to shift gears in the back half of the year and try to address some of these other agenda items that they have. And, and that's largely, in its simplest form, I think, what we're dealing with. Um, it hasn't changed the long-term story of, of what's going on in China. It's an opportunity for those who want to add to that exposure here, I think, 
Um, and these things come along every once in a while. This is not the first time we've seen this kind of, of uh, volatility in that market. So it, it is sitting out this cyclical rotation trade. It's, it's certainly um, coiling a spring on valuations for it to jump into the fray and participate once sure. some of these clouds maybe, maybe uh, disappear over the next several months. And, and is the Chinese exposure, which is dominant in EM, is that really accounting for the emerging market as a whole underperforming, or are you seeing softness uh, outside of China but within emerging markets as well? No, in fact, it's it's interesting when you it's you have to be very careful when we talk about uh, indexes and benchmarks, right? Sure. And that's that's the world that I work in as as a macro strategist. But you need to be cognizant, and you get these um, outsized um, shifts. Right, so the Fang complex in, in the S and P five hundred would be one right. to look at, and when that's weak, it's it's very hard for anything else in uh, in the benchmark to help to pick up that slack. EM and then Chinese onshore uh, equity markets and then Chinese offshore markets have all behaved very differently over the past six months. So EM is off, you know, ten to fifteen percent, and that is really the bleed through from the, the China issues. When you look at other markets, there's not much damage happening outside of China. So it is a China story if you're looking at emerging markets writ large. Within China, though, the local, so if you look at the um, Shanghai Shenzhen CSI 300, you know, it's off, but not nearly as bad as those uh, Hong Kong traded stocks. So you look at the Hang Seng and that's where you're down, you know, in into full bear market territory. And it's because people recognize that a lot of this common prosperity and, and some of the the issues are directed at these very large conglomerates within China that are trading uh, outside of those local markets and have a, a more dominant position there. So again, that's encouraging that we can see, we know the reason why it's happening, it's been deliberately orchestrated, so hopefully it can be deliberately stopped if it gets going too far, and it is relegated to a certain corner of the capital markets and not uh, not a whole pile of contagion. Great. Very helpful. Um, final uh, segment, why don't we turn uh, to the U.S. Uh, and talk a, a little bit about what's happening politically there. Uh, there is certainly uh, lots of uh, what seems to be um, maybe it's just a sausage being made as bills get passed and debt ceilings uh, get negotiated and that type of thing. What's your take on it? Is there anything to be truly concerned about or is it all uh, all noise? The one word answer is, is it's all noise. Um, we've seen it, particularly when you have the ability for the Democrats to do what they want to do if they can get some of their own people in line. I mean, it, it's um, we've been able to get through these debt ceilings and get these budgets passed, whether it's continuing resolution or a budget, whatever needs to be done. Uh, there's been government shutdowns for sure. Right? We've had uh, a couple of them just in the past uh, decade. The debt ceiling, interesting stat. You know, the debt ceiling conceptually and, and codified in, in U.S. legislation is over 100 years old. And it's been raised over 100 times. <laughs> so we'll talk about... You know, this is more movies than the Fast and the Furious franchise, right? Sure. Like we've seen this movie. Um, so I, you know, I think that that gets done. But, you know, same as we talked about in China, it brings open the risk of a policy accident. We're dealing with politicians. We're dealing with brinkmanship. We're dealing with politics. And that's a world where, you know, those of us who, who like to deal in numbers and, and fundamentals, right, and earnings growth and yields, but now we've got this uh, other element we have to consider are less comfortable with, but thankfully we've seen it many, many times. 
And uh, it's just a question of how far does the car drive toward the guardrail before it swerves and gets back on the road and, and, and scares everybody. The volatility in U.S. equity markets is, like I said, not so much about that. We have to recalibrate to the change in, in um, guidance from the Fed that happened on September the 22nd. It was meaningful. And it is um, really, I think, all of what's happening at the moment. Yields are reacting and you're having the appropriate expected response within equity markets that happens to be more damaging to the top line index because of the weights, right, of, right. of these uh, growth stocks that don't like higher yields. Uh, and that's just... Um, something we have to live with. There's opportunity to be made outside of, of those uh, on a rotation basis, which is uh, very encouraging. Great. Well, that uh, that sort of brings us full circle. Thank you very much for your insights, Brent. This was excellent. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Thank you. And you. The content of this podcast, including facts, views, opinions, and recommendations, is not to be used or construed as investment advice and is not an offer or an invitation to buy or sell any security. The content of this podcast should not be relied upon for any purposes and McKenzie Financial Corporation is not responsible for any reliance upon it. This podcast includes forward-looking information that reflects our current expectations or forecasts of future events. Forward-looking information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those expressed herein. Our views are subject to change based on market conditions. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fund facts and prospectus before investing. The indicated rates of returns are historical annual compounded total returns, including changes to unit values and reinvestment of all dividends or distributions and does not take into account sales, redemptions, distribution, or optional charges or income taxes payable by any security holder that would have reduced returns. 